Hey, Cornerstone. Uh, we are in a series called White Flag, and if you're just joining us today and haven't been part of it, uh, we've just been having a conversation that simply boils down to this, that some moments in life, uh, the best option that you and I have is surrender. That, that despite all the running, despite all the fighting, despite all the pushing back moments of our life, that sometimes the best option you and I've got is simply to say, God, look, I'm done. I'm done running from you. I'm done arguing with you. I, I, just, I just choose to get caught. I just choose to raise the white flag in my life. And uh, this conversation, we've been doing it, we've been exploring uh, the life of a real runner, a guy by the name of Jonah, who actually uh, was a prophet of God. He started out in ministry, and yet he finds this moment where God kind of crosses the line in, in his life. In other words, Jonah would have said, look, God, here's the deal. I'll follow you. There's just certain areas of my life. There's just certain things you can't ask me or can't make me do. And as long as you don't do that, then I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm fully committed to following you. But cross that line we're in for a big talk. We're, we're going to, there's just no way. And, and in the life of Jonah, uh, it was a moment when God said, hey, I want you to go preach uh, to a city called Nineveh. I want you to tell them that they've been disobeying me and that I'm calling them to repentance. And Jonah's answer is, God, that's, that's the line. I mean, that's the thing I told you I would not do for you. I hate those guys. I just, I, I, there's, there's no chance I even want those guys to know about you. And I, I'm just, I'm not going to do it. And in that moment, Jonah just says, okay, God, you violated the agreement, and, and he takes off running from God. This plays out in our lives because many of us sitting in the room today have had exactly that same moment, not going to a town, but we've had a Nineveh moment in our lives because when we became Christians, here's, here's kind of the bargain. We, we thought we were striking with God in the moment, and we said, look, God, here's the deal. I'm, I'm willing to be a Christian. I get it. I get it. I get, it. I get that a, probably a whole bunch of my life is probably going to change, but there's a couple things here that I'm just not ready to deal with. I, there's, there's certain areas of my life that I, I don't know that I'm ever going to surrender to you on the deal, and, and, and as long as you don't mess up that relationship, as long as you don't tell me I can't date that boy, as long as you don't dip into my finances or, or mess around with my career, then we're okay. But you cross that line, God, and, and, and we're going to be in trouble because here's the deal. I'm, I'm just not sure you totally understand me. And if I actually let you decide who I was going to marry or, or if I actually gave you control of my finances, if I, if I actually took my career and let you... I'm not sure I'd be happy. I, I, th I think you have all the potential in the world to mess it up because you don't understand what I need. So here's the deal. I I'm willing to follow you in, in almost every other area of my life. Just, just don't ask me about these. And then the moment came because you know what God does. He goes to exactly the thing that we were least wanting to surrender, the place that we were most hesitant to be obedient. And he says, this is the next thing that we're going to work on. And in that moment, many of us said, okay, all right, all right, so you, you just violated, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm done. And, and we went into runner's mode in our lives. And here's, here's what hopefully many of us are going to discover today. That running never works. That there will always be a moment in our lives where God catches us 
and just says, look, 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 running done, arguing over, and it's time. It's time to have a talk about surrender in your life. Jonah gets to exactly this moment. And so you and I are going to watch and see what God does with him and maybe, just maybe, what God will do with us. So grab your Bibles this morning uh, and we'll go there. It's the book of Jonah. It's actually named uh, after Jonah and it's pretty hard to find in the Bible. This is one of those books that you pray the preacher doesn't uh, make you turn to. So I'm going to help you uh, get there this morning. Uh, if you'll go right to the center of your Bible, you're going to find uh, the book of Psalms or the book of Proverbs. You're going to go to the right, and as you do that, you're going to see Ezekiel and Daniel slow down because those are the last big books, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, tiny little books, Jonah, okay? If, you're, if you uh, kind of know your Bible a little bit, you can go to the book of Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. Work to the left, and you go about seven, eight little teeny books in, you're going to find this very small book of Jonah. It's Jonah uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 17. Jonah has taken off from God, and in this moment, uh, he is running as far away as he can possibly get. God said to Jonah, look, I need you to go to Nineveh, which was really about 550 miles inland from where he was at the time. Jonah says, no, no, no. No, no, no. And he turns and he goes, he hops on a boat and begins to sail as far away as he possibly can from what God just asked him to do. He's headed for a city called Tarshish, which was literally on the end of the then known world. He is going as far away from what God has asked in his life as he can possibly get. And as he's sailing away, uh, the Bible tells us that God sends a storm uh, in the midst of the storm, the sailors on the boat realize this thing is supernatural. This isn't an ordinary storm. Uh, they begin to cast lots to find out who it is that's gotten God frustrated. The lots fall on Jonah. They throw Jonah overboard. And this is where you and I are going to uh, pick up the story. So it's Jonah chapter uh, 1, starting in verse uh, 17. Here's what it says. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, here's the deal. I get it. I get that some of us are probably struggling in the room with the idea that a man can survive three days and three nights in a fish. Here's what you need to know. I absolutely believe this literally happened, that, that this isn't metaphorical, or I, I believe that God literally sends a fish to swallow Jonah. It's called a miracle. And you realize that any time that God pulls off a miracle, he is suspending the natural order of things. He is saying, no, 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 no. This is what usually happens. This is normally how nature works. But I am going to do something miraculous. I am going to suspend the rules for a moment and do something outside of them. It's what happens every time that God heals a leper or makes a blind man see. He basically just says, no, 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 I get it. But I'm going to break the rules because I'm God and I can. And guys, I'm just going to tell you, I believe this because as you spend time in Scripture, this isn't the only big story, okay? This isn't the only hard fish to swallow, okay? Uh, 
But here's what you'll discover as you stay in Scripture, that over and over and over and over and over again, as God comes to these unbelievable God-only moments, that they bear out as truth. And because as you investigate and you find over and over and over again that it is exactly as Scripture described, I, I just have to tell you that as I get to this story, I'm okay. I'm okay, and I believe it with all of my heart. Now, here's, here's the deal, too. If you believe that God created, in other words, you, you may say, I, you know, I kind of think maybe God caused the Big Bang, and then he just kind of pushed everything in the right direction, and maybe evolution finally formed it, but, but God was the start of it all. Or if you believe in the literal seven days of creation, that God just formed the world in its intricate parts. Either way, if you believe that God is the source of life, God is the creator of all of us, then here's a thought. If you and I, who are created by God, have the capacity to send villages of people underwater for months at a time, it's called a submarine. If you and I are capable of that, I'm just thinking that three days and three nights is probably not too hard for God. And guys, here's the final thought. Jesus Christ quotes this story. Jesus Christ believed this story happened. But here's the deal. Look, if this is a stumbling block, and if you're just going, look, I can't get it, I, I, I can't go, don't miss the rest of the conversation. Let, let the fish be metaphorical. Let the fish be metaphorical for that moment in which God intrudes in your life. He sends the big problem that just stops you in your tracks, and there's nowhere left to run. And suddenly you have to stop your running and have a conversation with him. Because that's exactly what God is going to do in the belly of the fish. Okay, so back to the passage. Here we go. It's Jonah, uh, chapter 1, back to verse 17. Uh, here's what it says. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And guys, here's what you need to get. If you are a runner, your fish is coming. God will not let you endlessly run. He will not let you just keep going wherever you're going. You know what's interesting? All of us who are runners, deep down within our heart, kind of know that running can't last for forever. See, there's something in us that goes, I get it. I get that somewhere this is going to come to an end. I can't. I can't keep hurting people like I'm hurting them, and I can't, I can't keep behaving as recklessly as I'm behaving. I, I get that somewhere this has to come to a close. For some of us, we go, you know, it's marriage. See, I'm just going to be like a wild person. I'm just going to get all my wild oats sown. But when I get married, I'm, I'm going to straighten up. Uh, some of us, it's a business deal, and we just go, look, here's the deal. I, after I close a couple, after I get a couple of accounts done, and... and I know I'm cutting a couple corners, and I, I know I'm doing a couple things that I, I probably shouldn't be doing, but, but here's the deal. Once I can make myself financially secure, then, then I'll stop running. Then I'll stop pushing God out of that part of my life. Some of us say, hey, it's, it's when I get old. Uh, when I get uh, really old and sin is not fun anymore, then that's when I'll stop running from God. Can I just tell you as a really old person... Sin never stops being fun. Uh, that moment doesn't come. 
Some of you are thinking a lot more short-term than this. You're just saying, look, uh, after spring break, I'll get right with God. I just want to experience it once. I just want to do that, and then I'll get right with God. But the irony is, is that most of us, if we were honest in our hearts, know uh, that there's going to be an end to the run. It's almost like we've scheduled our own surrender, but here's what you need to know in this moment. God sends fish. God sends that moment in which running has to stop and there's nowhere left to go and you're simply trapped in the moment and God says, now, let's have a talk. And here's what you need to know if you're a runner. Chances are the fish comes before you expected and it's bigger than you thought. Here's what you need to know about the fish. That moment in which God grabs your life and just says, enough, enough. You're not going to do that anymore. You're not going to behave this way. This is the end of the line. The moment that God kind of traps you in that moment is not about punishment. It's about your heavenly father wrapping his arms around you. And bringing you home. He's just simply saying that moment, look, 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 the running's done. And it's time, son. It's time, daughter, to come home. Some of us are uh, what I call duck for cover Christians. Run for cover. We're, we're like little dogs that uh, whenever we get a little scared, we go running under the couch. And that's kind of the run that some of us have done. Some of us here would say, look, I, I'm not that guy or gal who just ran as far away as I could from God. I'm just a person who ran topically from God. In other words, I was following Jesus. I'm in church. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm here. It's just there's certain topics. When those topics come up, I'm running for the couch. See, when you talk about relationships and who you ought to date, and I've already, I've already got a guy picked out, and so here's, I, just, I just go, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not coming back till that series is over. See, here's the thing, Lynn. Every time you talk about money, I, I, I walk toward my car, and I just do my best. I go, erase, 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 erase. I do my very best to forget what we talked about. And my hope is, is that when I come back next Sunday, we're not going to talk about that again. And that if I can simply run for cover every time we start to talk about a topic that makes me uncomfortable, or it's an area of my life that I've just said, God, no, not now, and maybe, maybe not even ever, then I just do my very best to ignore it, and I hope that God doesn't see me hiding under the couch. And guys, I got an answer for you. God sends fish under the couch. You're not fooling anybody. And my promise is simply this. It's what Jonah discovers. No matter how far you've run or no matter how successful you think you hide, God sends fish his fish. And he will have this conversation. And inside the fish, you'll be ready to listen. Back to the passage. Jonah is about to discover that God is generous in his mercy 
but he is thorough in his discipline. That if you make it to the fish, there's still second chances, there's still the possibility of having a conversation with God. He's, he's still willing to do that with you. But if you push God all the way to the fish, God is not going to let you out until your heart has changed. He is gracious in his mercy, but he is thorough uh, in his discipline. Let's go back to the passage. Chapter 2, verse 1. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, and he said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Guys, this is huge. Because Jonah has run as far as he can possibly run. He has resisted God until God had to intervene. And in this moment, he finally calls out to God. And he just says, God, wow. Life is so broken right now. I mean, my, my life is so ruined. I, just, I don't have anywhere left to turn. If you make it to the fish, if you push to that moment in your life, you'll call out in distress. It may be the other side of a pregnancy test. It, it may be a layoff notice. It may be a child in horrible rebellion. It might be sitting in the back seat of a police car or the long drive home to a spouse to tell them before they find out on their own. But I'm simply going to tell you that in that moment, you'll cry out. And, and all of your theology about, hey, I just don't think God is real, and all of your excuses about, I've met lousy Christians, and I just don't think I want to be, all of that will be gone. And in your distress, you'll call. And the cool part of the passage is that Jonah says, and when I called God, you heard me. Which is a big deal because there are some of us sitting in this room today and you're going, Lynn, you just don't get it. I, I mean, I have run so far. I've done stuff in my life and there's just no way that I am worthy to call out to God today. And Jonah would say, you're wrong. I ran from God till I got stuck in the belly of a fish. I thought I was on my deathbed. And in the last possible moments of my life, that's when I decided to call from God. And God heard me. And I'm just going to say to you, I, I don't care. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you were last night. Some of us, some of us simply need to call out and say, God, if you're there, we need to have a talk. Back again. Verse 2, he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. 
From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Now, verse 3, you ready? You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me all the waves and the breakers. This is an interesting moment. You realize, you realize what Jonah says here. You hurled me, not the sailors. You, God, hurled me into the ocean. You realize what Jonah is finally figuring out in all of his running. Hey, the storm, the, the storm wasn't coincidence. I mean, it, it wasn't just a, a moment of bad luck. God was behind the storm. It was God trying to get my attention and slow me down. It, the man throwing me in the water, that, that was God throwing me in the water. Guys, if you're running today, can I, can I just say to you, turn around before you have to get to the fish. Do you realize what's happening in this moment is that Jonah, he's been traveling on this boat for days, if not weeks. Think about this. God in his mercy, because God is generous in his grace, has given Jonah a cooling off time. There are so many opportunities. Jonah, as they pulled into port along the way, could have said, oh, guys, 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 this is dumb. I've been, I've been thinking about this whole running away from God thing, and it's it's probably a bad idea, and he could have gotten off the boat and headed where he needed to head. He could have gone back, and he could have completely avoided the fish. And I'm, I'm just going to say to you today that if you're running and God hasn't taken you to your fish, to your moment of absolute despair and brokenness, turn around now. Don't force his hand. Don't make God stop the run. And in this moment, for the first time, Jonah has clarity and he goes, oh, the storm was you. Being thrown in the ocean was you trying to get my attention. And here's the next thing that Jonah is about to learn. Not only is God generous in his grace, but he's thorough in his discipline. How many of you, when you were kids, uh, your dad uh, would spank you with a belt? Okay. How many of you here say, no, my dad never spanked me with a belt? Okay, that explains a lot. Okay. So I, here's the deal. If, if you're someone and, and your dad spanked you with a belt, there was the moment. And if you got spanked with a belt, you know exactly the moment I'm talking about. It's when your dad made the move for the belt. All he had to do was this. And in that moment, you and I were so repentant. We were like, what? No, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. You don't have to speak. No, go clean my room. It was the moment. It was the moment. Did dad ever stop taking off his belt? No, the reality is uh, dad still pulled off the belt. Even though I was repentant, dad still pulled off the belt. Why? Because, because you ready for this? By the time dad had to pull out the belt, it was no longer about cleaning your room. And dad in that moment said, look, here's the deal. I've got to make sure that you never do this again. That you never speak to your mom with that level of disrespect. That you never just ignore the direction of your... See, here's what I'm going to do. Look, 
I, I, I've got to make sure that what you're about to go through right now so outweighs any benefit of waiting for me to get home that you will never make this trade again. Because I, I, you guys, I'm just telling you, the belt, the belt was not worth whatever joy I had in that slight moment. And the reinforcing lesson was simply this, you don't ever want to do that again. At what moment do you think Jonah repented? Is it when the storm came? See, I'm thinking, while the storm's on, I think Jonah's on the deck going, dude, really? That's all you got? Bring it on. I think when the sailors throw him in the water, he just swims over to some of the cargo they've thrown off, and he's going, okay, a little wet. That's, that's the best you got, a little wet. You know when I think Jonah repented? When he saw the fish. So I think if you're sitting in the water and all of a sudden this big old hairy fish starts coming, you're going, I repent, I repent, I'll go to Nineveh, I'm swimming right now. You want to hear the interesting thing? God still put him in the fish. Because, because, because. God wanted to say to Jonah, when we're done, you're never going to want to run again. You realize this is a conversation that you and I never win. We, we just never win. So you know what the interesting part is, is that some of us, you know, especially those of us that are Christians and we're going, look, there's just a part of my life, God, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to let you have that part of my life yet. I, I'm going to be in control of it for now. You don't win this argument. It just... It just doesn't end well for us. Matter of fact, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 simply says this, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will see it to completion. And you realize that's what he's saying. If you're a Christian, then the very heart of God, the very good work of God in your life is to make you more like Jesus, which means... All the things you're holding back, all the places you've said, God, no, 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 you can't have that habit. It's none of your business what I'm doing at night when everybody else is in bed and the lights are out and I'm sitting in front of my computer. No. You're not going to control my money. You're not going to control my relation. No. Is the very area that God is going to go, look, that's the place you look least like Jesus. And I'm going to make sure that that part of your life begins to look like my son. And this is not up for debate. I'm going to get you there. He that began a good work in you will see it through to completion. When I'm a kid, uh, I used to play in a huge sandbox uh, that my dad made for me. Uh, my sandbox, I'm old enough, that was my Xbox. And when we, I was a kid, uh, you didn't play inside, you played outside. And we killed things, and we burned things, and we broke things in real life, not on a video screen. Okay? So I'm five years old, and uh, I've got this huge sandbox in my backyard. And one of the games I'd play, don't ask me why, but it was one of the things I would do, I would, I would dig this big kind of pit at one end of the sandbox. And then my goal was to fill that pit up with water. I'd drop the garden hose in there and fill it up. And then I wanted to direct the water to get to a big pit I had dug at the other end of the sandbox. And so I'd walk over to the pit with the water in it, and I'd, I'd, I'd draw like a canal 
a ditch in the sand. Now, you need to know this doesn't work real well because the sand is all lumpy and bumpy. And so it'd follow the ditch for a little while, and then all of a sudden the water would take off in a different direction and head completely over. Well, you know what I did? I just simply went to wherever the water headed, and I'd start digging my ditch from there. And it would follow the ditch for a little while, and then it'd take off to another place. And I'd simply go to where the water was, and I'd start digging my ditch. Guess who won every time? Five-year-old me. Guys, you're going to be stubborn water to God? Guess who's going to win this one every time? Because God comes in our life and says, look, here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to take you to this place of being like my son. And, and if, you, if you'd come along and if you'd go straight there, this is the best possible path. It has the least uh, struggle for you. It has the least pain. But you're going there. Okay. I mean, if that's really your, I'll, I'll just meet you there in your disobedience, in your, I'll meet you there. I'll just make my, and this is going to hurt worse. It's going to be way more uncomfortable in your life. But okay. And guys, here's what you need to get. You never beat the whale. That God is absolutely committed to making every one of us look like Jesus. And not because he's ornery, but because he loves us and he knows that we'll never be happy on the run and that the deepest fulfillment in our lives comes when we look like Jesus Christ. You don't win this argument. And sometimes, sometimes the best option is surrender. Back to the passage. Verse 3 again. You hurled me, not the sailors. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the sea, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward the holy temple. The engulfing waters threaten me. The deep surround me. Seaweed and everything else that was in the belly of that fish is wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you. Hey, guys, let me ask you a question. How long is three days and three nights in the belly of a fish? You know what the answer is? Too long. When you're in that darkness and when you're there and have no perspective and no idea how high or how low or how deep or... It's too long. And I'm just saying, guys, if you wrestle God to the fish, if you run, it'll be too long. What it will take for God to finally turn your heart will be longer than you ever imagined or ever wanted in your life. Verse 7, 
When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose up to you in your holy temple. And guys, verse 8, you ready? Jonah is about to discover what every runner eventually figures out about running. And it's right here in verse 8. Here's what he says. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could have been theirs. And guys, here's what you've got to understand. That in that moment that you and I said to God, look, look, no, 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 no. You can't speak into that relationship. I love him, and I'm going to marry him no matter what you think, God. I know you wouldn't even want me dating him, but I'm going to marry him. You realize what you did in that moment. You in that moment said, God, look, here's the deal. You make me choose between him and you. I choose him, which means he's an idol. See, in that moment, you said, God, 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 look, look, you're not going to control my finances. No way, because here's the deal. There are some things that I need to buy in order to make me happy, and you start controlling my finances, then you're probably going to ask me to give some of my money away, and I'm, no, no, no. And guys, what you need to know is that in that moment, you made your money your idol. See, when you sat there and said, God, here's the deal. I, I've just got some places to go in my career. I've got some corners to cut along the way. It, it's, it's the things I've got to do. In that moment, you made your career your idol. When you said, God, look, 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 you can have every other part of me, but this is my habit. This is my vice. And I don't care what the Surgeon General says. I don't care what my wife thinks if I'm watching. I don't care. This is mine. You realize in that moment you made it your idol. Second thing, that when you finally get what you thought so desperately you wanted, it will not be enough. See, when, when you finally marry him, when you finally get to that place financially, when you finally get that plaque on the wall that says executive, when you've spent years and years and years in your life looking at stuff on the internet that you should have never looked at, I'm just going to tell you, when you get there, it will not fulfill you, and it will not be enough. Some of you guys have been here, and we've had lots and lots of friend days, and one of the most powerful moments, I think, whenever we have a friend day is that inevitably we turn to that celebrity, that person, and we go, look, look, here's the deal. You've made, you've made way more money than any of us are going to make. And you're more popular than any of us are probably ever going to be. Some of you have bedded down hundreds of women. You've won Super Bowls. Why does someone who has all the things that you have, that we think we want, why does someone like you still need Jesus? And do you realize that every single person we've had on Friend Day has said, when you get that stuff, it will not be enough. You'll still want Jesus. Here's the third lesson of the runner. When you meet your moment of despair, when God finally stops you, you will not cry out to your idol. So you won't call out to your husband. You won't call out to your career. You won't go checking your savings accounts. You won't go back to that site on the internet. You'll call out to God. 
Because there's something about runners when they come to the end of running that suddenly life gets really clear. And in that moment, you'll call out to the one you've been running away from. Here's what he says in verse 8. To those who cling to worthless idols, forfeit the grace that could have been theirs. Verse 9, but I with a song of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you, ready, what I vowed I will make good for salvation comes from the Lord. In that, he goes, look, 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 what I told you would do, I'll, I'll do it. What I promised you, I'm going to finally keep my promise. Now, here's the interesting thing. What's Jonah talking about? Because remember, from the very beginning of the story, Jonah said no to Nineveh. There's never been a moment that Jonah said, well, yeah, I'll go to Nineveh, and then changed his mind. Jonah from day one said, no, 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 no. That's out of bounds, God. So what is Jonah talking about here when he says, what I vowed to you, I'm now going to keep my promise. You ready? This is bigger than Nineveh. It's bigger than one area of disobedience. When Jonah chose to follow God, he said, and I will follow you. Which in this moment, Jonah's saying, look, when we began this thing, I made a promise. I, I said, I'm, I'm going to follow you. Which means, in essence, there shouldn't have been any one thing. There shouldn't have been any area that would have been no in my life. And when we began this journey, I vowed to you that I was going to be a follower. And I forgot my vow. And I turned my back on my promise. And you realize that in this moment, Jonah's not just saying, hey, God, I'll go to Nineveh. In this moment, he's saying, I choose to renew my promise to follow you, which means, you ready for this? That every no I still have just became yes. What I promised you, I will now fulfill. To follow you without apology and without excuse. All of my no's are yeses. It's interesting what God does next. Watch this. Verse 10, and the Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah up on dry land. Is that cool? That's just, I mean, the, you know, Jonah goes, okay, God, I get it. I, I, I'm, I'm raising my white flag. I'm surrendering. And in that moment, all of a sudden, the fish goes, Rah! you know, and throws him up in the moment. I got a feeling that the fish was already swimming towards shore, that God already knew where this conversation was going to end. And guys, think about this. The very moment that Jonah didn't need to be in the fish anymore, God lets him out. God lets him out. He says, there's no point in the fish because you changed your heart. Anybody want to guess what Jonah did when he hit dry ground? See, I think he was already running east. Woo, Nineveh, here I come. I, I, don't, I don't think there was a moment of pause. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Guys, 
If you ever doubted that God was a God of second chances, you haven't read the story of Jonah. Because immediately when Jonah gets his heart right, God says, okay, let's try this again. Because God is generous in his grace. And I don't, I don't care how old you are today. I don't care how far you've run today. If you would simply turn your heart, if you would simply say to God, God, what I originally promised, I'm going to do. I'm going to follow you. There's a God who gives you and me second chances. And sometimes the very best thing that a runner can do is surrender. And so here's, here's why I just want to invite us. I want to give us this opportunity today. I just think it would be so powerful if you and I just said, look, I, I'm going I'm to raise the white flag. I'm just going to make a statement about my surrender to God. So here's, here's what I'm going to do in a moment. I just want to say it out loud. In a moment, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to ask you guys to consider getting out of your seats, going to the back, coming all the way around the side, and coming up these steps. And when you came in today, we handed every one of you a white flag. And if for some reason you didn't get one, don't worry about it. We'll have somebody here waiting. They'll have some spares. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to come up these steps. I'm going to ask you to walk over to this throne and lay your flag of surrender on the throne. Because you get at the end of the day, the thing we surrender is the throne of our hearts. That we say, God, you're king of me. I'm getting off the throne because I'm not king of me. That is surrender. And so I'm going to ask you to consider laying your flag on the throne and then heading back down. It's going to be the end of the service. And as you do that, and as you kind of make your way to the doors, we've got uh, trash cans that are full of stakes, and there's more white flags. And here's what I'm going to ask you to consider. I'm going to ask you to consider that every family grab a white flag. You tie it to the stake, and you take it home today. And before you head in, you drive that in the ground as a statement that just simply says to anybody who wants to know, this family is surrendered to God. That's who we are. Now, guys, look, here's the deal. I'm going to let you off the hook. So I know there's people in this room, and you go, Lynn, I'm already fully surrendered. I mean, I've already answered this in my life. I came here today. There was nothing between me and God. There's nothing I held. I came already having raised the white flag. So here's my answer. Then don't, don't walk. I don't want you to feel any weird pressure to do. Don't. Stay, stay in your seat. Pray for the rest of us. Pray for your neighbor. Pray for the person a couple rows ahead of you, a couple rows. Just pray for the rest of us that are wrestling this moment through. And don't feel like you got to come up if this is already settled in your life. Some of us in this room aren't ready. And, and you're sitting there right now and you're going, look, Lynn, I, I'm still enjoying the run. I'm, I, I just, I'm not sure I believe what we've said today. And, and I, I'm still committed to leaving God out of parts of my life. And Then don't come up. And here's the cool part. Because there's going to be people staying in their seat who are fully surrendered. No one's going to know why you didn't get up. There's no pressure. There's, everyone's going to think you're fully surrendered, and that's why you didn't do it. So you're off the hook, okay? But the rest of us, the ones of us who right now our hearts are beating out of our chest, you get that's not me. I already gave you a way out. And if, and if you're in the midst of an argument right now, you're not arguing with me. You're arguing with him. And chances are he's saying... You've run long enough, and I'm asking you to raise your white flag. And for all of us, 
I'm going to ask you to go and make your way up and lay. your white flag, and we'll just see what God would do. So let's pray. Hey, dear Lord Jesus, we are runners by nature. It is so intuitive. It's what we do when you scare us. It's what we do when you push into parts of our lives that we just aren't ready to surrender yet. And yet, God, it's fruitless. It, it never ends well to run. And you always manage to put us in that moment of the fish, that moment when running doesn't work anymore and life is just blowing up all around us. And God, some of us today need to turn around before we even get to the fish. We need to say, God, surrender is my best option and I'm just, I'm just going to raise the flag. Some of us have made it all the way and we, we've run so far away from you. We're not, even, we're not even feeling confident that you would hear us, but we're going to stop in this moment. We're going to call out and say, God, if you're there, I know it, it's time to come home and I'm raising my white flag. God, would you do something amazing in our lives right now? In Jesus' precious name, amen.